When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar. This is Automatic of Auto's Used Cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. Gonna make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. My name is James Gill. I am the MC at the multi-award-winning comedy nights, Always Be Comedy. I'm joined, as always, by my comedy husband, Always Be Comedy's very own, Tim Lewis. Hello, Tim Lewis. Hello, James Gill. The Always Be Comedy podcast is where we sit down with a guest and they curate what would be their dream comedy gig. Who would open? Who would close? What sort of gigging nightmare that they've experienced must not, under any circumstances, happen at this fantasy comedy gig? It's all this and so much more. And by so much more, we often mean quite a lot of gossip. Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. We've got one of our heroes of lockdown on the pod, people's champion, Scott Bennett. Now, Tim, you and I, Always Be Comedy, we thought we were quick, out of the gates with the lockdown shows. However, Scott Bennett, basically, somebody coughed and Scott Bennett <laughs> immediately got to his shed and got shredding it with uh, live comedy shows. He, Tim, he was a, f- a full-on pioneer. He was, he was one of the very first. He really was. He did that incredible thing where he converted his DIY shed into essentially a TV studio. It looked, it looked really good. It was amazing what he could do with a shed. It looked really unique. And yeah, he was known as the comedian in the shed. And then, I mean, also, I mean, Disney have made biopics out of less. Scott Bennett, he's a, you know, on the circuit, obviously a, a very beloved, well-respected comedian. So that this sounds like an insult. It's not an insult. We go on, we go into lockdown. Scott is renowned for being a brilliant comedian. He then becomes this internet online lockdown comedy star. Also does some, some of our gigs. But then his profile is elevated. This is where I'm going with it, Scott. His profile is elevated in such a way that as we come out of lockdown, he then ends up doing Live at the Apollo. That would be the that would be the Hollywood ending of, of the movie. I mean, I mean, that's a beautiful story, Tim. Really lovely. It's probably gonna be the thing I talk about in the outro. Um I just love how he created a like, fan base and community around him that's allowed him to tour now. If you said to Scotty B at the start of Panny D, I hate myself. I'm sorry that I, I just did that. that. But if you said to keep it in, if you said to, 
he said to him uh, when he's doing that first uh, gig from his shed that this will culminate in you doing live at the Apollo. I mean, it's yeah, Scott, we're 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 in awe of you. But fantastic, totally, absolutely. He's it's sort of comedy which you don't see very often being well done as well as he does. It's very, it's quite it's quite mainstream stuff, and it's but it's done brilliantly. It's proper. Everyone in the family can enjoy it. And if you're wondering, where can I see some Scott Bennett? Well, his tour's done so well, he's had to extend the thing. Tim, that was, as always, that was wonderfully done. So Scott Bennett has just announced a tour extension to his greatest hits show. What's it called? Great Scott. Of course it is. Perfect. Uh, so if you Google Scott Bennett tour, you will see all the dates there. Scott Bennett has his own website. Of course he does. Scott, not everyone does. ScottBennettComedy.co.uk slash live. And you can see him, uh, Sheffield, Swindon, Stafford, and also we can reveal places that don't just start with the letter S. But if you go on there, you, you, it extends October uh, into November. It looks like it currently wraps up Barton upon Humber at the Ropery Hall. That's the 12th of November. And then also, if you want to see Scott Bennett, he's... Uh, so predictable what I'm about to do here. If you want to see Scott Bennett working through some new stuff, you can do, guess where? Always be comedy. Wednesday, the 27th of September. It's a double bill. Scott Bennett with Clinton Baptiste. Now that, my friends, will be one heck of an evening of comedy. Uh, if you want to see Scott's polished, greatest hits, hits tour show, scottbennettcomedy.co.uk slash live if you want to see him work through some new material uh, always be comedy wednesday the 27th of september also tim scott has uh, a very popular podcast with his wife brew with the bennett's uh this is where scott and his uh i'm gonna say equally hilarious wife his wife will thank me scott will not uh, <laughs> and the two of them over a brew essentially talk about life marriage being parents, and so much more. Again, if you Google Brew with the Bennett's podcast, you will find that. Correspondence, huge and heartfelt thanks, as always, for your correspondence. Uh, please keep it coming in. The team at alwaysbecomedy.com. Who's the team? It's me and Tim. Uh, correspondence here from Becca. You must be so pleased at how well the podcast is going. I, right, I promise this is from someone called Becca. This is not me and Tim emailing positive praise because that is that is as positive as it gets thank you becca we i'll be honest with you becca we are ecstatic it's a complete treat for us to hear comedians dream lineups and also to hear their tales from the circuit yes uh, so thanks so much for making the pod no becca thank you this is one of the loveliest bits of correspondence we've had really? right here we go i probably love any number of acts but one scenario of a dream lineup would be mc steve coogan as alan partridge not very ably helped by tim key as simon denton Mate, I would pay cash money yeah. to see Sidekick Simon try to help Alan Partridge MC a gig. Comedy heaven, amazing. Uh, for the Tim Key's been getting quite a bit of love of late, Tim, and you must be particularly delighted. Oh God, of course. I think I think Tim probably is my favourite comedian. There are a few comedians where I will 
be talking and I'll be like, oh, <laughs> it's me doing a direct ripoff just in a conversation. <laughs> and I've definitely slipped into keezy vernacular before. The first act, I would have a comedian who I have only ever seen play at Mac and who reduced me to tears, brackets, of joy each time. And that is Will Adamsdale. He sometimes oh, performs oh. as a life coach. Chris John Jackson, outstanding, and sometimes plays ridiculous songs on the guitar. And I think that either or both incarnations would set an absurd and hilarious mood for the rest of the evening. Becca, these are the levels of thoughts that that make us make our hearts sing with joy. Then to continue the absurd and whimsical theme, I would pair two of my favourite comedians, even if they have never worked together before, Sally Ray B and Henry Packer. Mate, that is a that is a meeting of minds. Uh, I could listen to them both for hours and would be very happy to hear whatever riffs they might create together, whether in English or French. Becca, this, this this is joyous. Then for the headliner, I would really love to see someone who I nearly saw at the time of year last year, and that is Daniel Rigby. I obviously think he's an incredible actor, but would really love to see his stand-up. And to encourage him onto the stage, I would suggest that both Mike Wozniak and if I wave a magic wand, Becca, great choice, someone who's again had some... Uh, deserved love on the pod of late victoria wood accompany him and then they all embark on an hour of brilliance whatever that might be what do you reckon thanks both becca we reckon that you've put together uh essentially a, a perfect evening of stand-up tim daniel rigby we, we would love to see him at abc wouldn't we i'd love to see daniel rigby there's a real trend i've noticed with comedy actors who used to do stand-up and then come back into stand-up and they are a million times better than they were because their physicality, their acting, their act-outs are just astonishing. So, for example, Tom Davis, Freya Parker, and I'm sure Daniel Rigby would come into that, where you're just watching them and just the performance they give is above a lot of stand-ups because they've got so much experience in acting they've got these layers of armor that they've acquired yeah. through hour after hour on set or, or what have you yeah there's a bit of physicality in freya parker's show that she's taken to edinburgh I, yeah. I can't spoil it but you're right i mean you're you're i can't i can't ruin the bit but she acts out this bit where she's in a very specific place and so yeah. strong is her acting ability that in my mind's eyes, I think about it, she's actually at the place where she's at. Absolutely. It's the sort of bit you could watch on mute and it's still hilarious because of how she's acting. Yes, very good. Uh, Becca, great choice. Also, just to tease, uh, and I've sort of revealed one of my picks, Tim and I will be putting a bonus episode out uh, where we we make some recommendations for the Edinburgh Festival and we also uh, have a bit of a debate about the Edinburgh Festival in general. So we're going to put that out on a Friday. Tim, when do you think we'll put it out? I, you know what? I was thinking about this. I think, I, you know what? It has I to think, go out next Friday. We'll put it out. It'll come out this week. Guys, it's, we've just worked out what day of the week it is. <laughs> Mate, I, I'm laughing because that is literally what I've done. I've, I've, I've clicked the little calendar button. I've <laughs> seen that it will be friday the 4th of august therefore it has to go out friday the 4th of august i was teasing it like it was some, something to look forward to in the coming months no this friday yeah uh, so yeah please check that out if 
Uh, this sounds pass ag. Maybe it is pass ag. But if it goes down well, Tim, there's no reason why we can't do a bit more of a, uh, a, a Friday bonus app. Of course. I will look as anyone that's heard our intros. We love chatting to each other. We love getting to tangents. Uh, yeah, it's it's an experiment, and I'm excited to see the results. It's an experiment. I think one of the things that did it was the Mary Poppins old bamboo chat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, somebody wrote in to say, that Mary Poppins old bamboo chat could not have been more up my street, and Tim and I both went, and it was also up our street. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Becca, thank you very much. That was perfect. As ever, any correspondence, the team at alwaysbecomedy.com. Maybe lovely interaction with a comedian. Maybe your own dream lineup. If you would rate, review, subscribe, those five-star reviews help like you would not believe. Loads of you have, have whacked five stars on there. We thank you. Uh, very groveling, this bit, isn't it? I was going to say, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. But, you know, we, 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 we're, we're hashtag grateful boys. So thank you very much. Uh, and from two grateful boys to another, it's not even a link, doesn't make sense. Uh, we welcome uh, the people. You know what, Tim? He's the people's champion because he, he has that that comic, to, uh, that, uh, that the, the human touch. Uh, Scott has that thing that when he work, when he walks on stage, everyone in the room goes, I'm on board with this guy. So he has that people's touch. He's a people's champ because he just started doing these Zoom gigs and the people got behind it so much, he ended up on Live the Apollo and doing massive tours across the world. So Also, with those, with those Zoom gigs, I remember our front row, he was one of those guys where everyone were, were they were i remember you know sarah and simon uh who lived stoke on trent i remember her like physically weeping <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah people's champ scott bennett he's brilliant right then we this is classic classic uh lockdown friendship so scott bennett F- falls into the category of some we, some, somebody we hadn't met in real life and then on lockdown, and it gives me great pleasure to say this, I saw more of Scott Bennett than most of my blood relatives. <laughs> and, then, and then we came out of lockdown, we, we had that embrace, a bit like the end of Die Hard. You can be Bruce Willis, I, I don't mind. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, Scott, before we even start, I would just say huge and heartfelt congratulations with everything you've achieved and I hope you're suitably proud. Thank you. Yeah. And I think you guys played a big part in that. It was, it was weird. It was like, it did feel like at the time that everyone was reaching out and we all dragged each other through and uh, yeah, it was, it was great. And yeah, your, your, your cult as it's commonly referred to uh, was instrumental in, in helping with that. Yeah. It was great. Now you were you were it felt to me anyway you were the first you were straight out the gates you were the first person to be doing this lockdown comedy so to to be yeah. the first person out the gates and to then end up on live at the Apollo <laughs> I'm not joking Disney have made movies <laughs> over less I know well it is a weird thing if I'd have known that would have happened I mean it's like I always say that. So the pandemic was the best thing that happened to my career. I mean, like it's a really weird thing. It's a horrible thing to say, but I can't avoid that. Some people say, oh, there was a moment I did a, you know, Oasis say we did a gig at the Barrowlands and Alan McGee was in, you know, or someone says, 
you know what I mean? It's like that sort of thing of like, oh, like McIntyre said he was at Edinburgh and he was down to his last penny and then someone from off the curb walked in. And I was like, the world ground to a halt. There was no entertainment. And I went mad in a shed. And that's my story. It's just not... <laughs> it's not Somebody made love to a bat. And it, I'll tell you what, it yeah. Yeah. Someone, someone, yeah, we someone bred with a bat and then I was on live at the Apollo. It's <laughs> literally like just like that. I'd have been, do you know what? It, it's it is it is so it is so perfect for for my story that because for anyone else, there'd be and I was like, no, listen, the world ground to a halt, and it was the best thing to happen to my career. I don't I still don't. I still can't quite believe it. And I don't know, I don't know if the shed was involved in that, but I think ironically, ironically, I'll tell you what it was. Ironically, everyone else, everyone panicked, everyone freaked out. No one knew what was going on. Because like you look at lockdown one now through rose-tinted glasses a little bit. Like you look at lockdown one and go, oh, it was brilliant. No one knew what was going on. And we checked on each other and uh, Joe Wicks and all that. And there's like a little, like, oh, it's nostalgic. And I think me doing the stuff in the shed kept me sharp enough that when we came out of lockdown, it it actually pushed me on. Like everyone was like, oh God, some people have stayed sharp. So I think it was a lot of that as well, you know? But I, don't, I mean, I, with you, Scott, I don't think you didn't just stay sharp and you didn't just stay match fit. Surely you came out of it a, a, a bigger and better comedian for yeah. it. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I wrote, wrote every single, every week I was writing an hour to do online and every week I was... It was mad, really, and it was That's incredible. Yeah, it's self. Yeah, I'm never going to moan about. You know, I can't get to 50 minutes for Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> You're out in an hour a week, mate. You need another pandemic. Uh, but um, <laughs> it was it was that sort of thing. Of I think it, it did make me. I think at first it was self preservation, uh, but then I started to quite enjoy it. I started to quite enjoy the community. I'm sure you guys did as well. And start to enjoy. It became it became like your own thing you know and and ironically having the shed was like a selling point where people were going oh we'll get the guy in the shed get the guy in the shed there was like people i did a gig to people in america twice one once in the morning once in the afternoon for different parts of the world because they'd seen me on the news and i was like this is mad this is madness i mean i, I don't think they knew what was going on but <laughs> it was still happening was what, what was that like because you did you went global i mean you were you were appearing everywhere I remember the BBC News did a did a yeah. big story in it. So what, what what was that like to go? Because and I'm really romanticising this Cinderella story, but you were already a well-established, uh, very well-regarded. I'm going to use the word beloved comedian, but th- but then it's obviously that's a different ball game when, as you yeah. say, there's people in America snapping you up. I mean, uh, what was that like? It was it was amazing, and I, and I think I think what it was is it I think it showed that. In, in a time of like where you feel like you've lost everything, I think it, it showed a lot of comics really showed how creative they were. And I think that that's why the, the industry is so good. And like people were like pivoted and just thought, oh, I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to make this work. And I think from my point of view, it was just like there's still an audience. There's still people wanting to watch comedy. And, it, and the really weird thing is, I mean, this is really surreal, is that now at live gigs... I recognise people in the audience from Zoom gigs. That's amazing. So like the other night I was in Manchester and I, this someone was laughing and their laugh was so distinctive. And it's like someone had a foot pump. It was like, ah, 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 like a proper like foot pump laugh. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought, I know that laugh. And I looked down and I went, 
you were on the online stuff, weren't you? So he was on your online stuff. I can't remember the guy's name. He was on all the Just a Tonic stuff. And he went, yeah. And I was like, this is so weird. And I was like, we've never met in person. And that's happened six or seven times. That you've, you've, you've built audience members who haven't even seen you do live stand-up, but they've seen you in your shed. It's the, so the, odd. I was going to say, the, the inspiring, borderline cheesy sort of thing that you'd have on a, a tea towel, but the inspiring thing... So, so to, to 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 paraphrase Noel Gallagher, you, you you've got to make it happen, and and yeah, that's what you were all about. You know, you 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 made that happen yourself, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, and I think it was a little bit of fear, a little bit of panic, and a little bit of I've got to do something. And also, as well as I'd I'd only given up my job, like full time job, two years before the pandemic, and so in my head, I was like, I have to make this work, otherwise, it invalidates that decision. So like in my head, I'm thinking like I have to make this look like it wasn't a complete, you know, crisis and disaster. Yeah. And in my head, someone's turned around and going, well, you see, I told you so. You know, this was always going to happen when you take a vulnerable job in the arts or something like that. But I think at, at some point I just thought, no, I'm going to have to make this work as best I can. And and there was weird moments like everyone was doing it. I was I was writing for people who I haven't written before. I was doing uh, gigs with people I'd never met before. And that that was so surreal as well. Sort of like, you know, the, it, it's just a really bizarre time. You look back and you think it was a little bit bonkers, but it was still fascinating. And I think a lot of people haven't really appreciated it. When you look back as comedians, I don't think we appreciate just how how odd that time was and how like your days would become like sound check in an hour, get your microphone and then check your webcam, update your Zoom. And you were like, but you're going nowhere. It is it is surreal, really. Mate, I used to put aftershave on before Zoom gigs. Yeah. I used to I used to go and brush my I used to brush my teeth. Because I'd be like, I'd be like, you just never know who you're gonna meet in there. But like I could I always think if you go on and if you go on too loose and too relaxed, that's the fine line between family chat and being a performer. There has to be an element of performance. And that's also why when I did it in the shed, I decided to stand up because I thought standing up and performing to the camera high up felt more like a gig and felt more like you were putting a bit of effort in. And then Scott, you've also you've also moved into podcasting. Please share some insight into that because that, that again, what a terrific idea. Someone yeah. with whom you've obviously spent a lot of time Gemma became like a, a co-star in her own right via the online stuff. So I suppose the podcast yeah. was was a no-brainer. Yeah, and and I think what it was as well is it, it, we did spend a lot of time in the shed, uh, <laughs> in, you know, doing these shows. And I think it was like a weird sort. We saw more of each other than we did normally. And I think I think we we sort of enjoyed chatting together, and we enjoyed. And I think people. So what's what's great about having a partner in in a podcast is it gives you that balance that you don't maybe get normally. Like you don't you sort of get that truth and you get that sort of cutting through and the and the different perspective and obviously the female perspective I think which is really important on certain topics and stuff. So yeah, we called it. It's brew with the Bennetts. I've got a little uh, flyer here. Uh, so uh, and. Um, it's basically just us chatting on a Sunday morning and she's it, Gemma's just so quick and funny. And um, it's been a way of continuing the stuff we've done in the shed, the stuff we did online. And I think we built a little audience and I think they wanted to see 
and hear more of what we were saying, which is great, really. So, so yeah, we're, we're doing that weekly at the moment, which is hard work, more, more work than you possibly would think a podcast would be. You look at it and you think, you just chat, but then you're like, you've got the editing and then you've got all this. And it sort of, it becomes all consuming in a weird way. But, but it's, we do, I do really enjoy it because I, I enjoy the sort of the freedom of it, really. And the, just the, the chatting. So at the moment, we're recording in Gemma's mum's conservatory because we're getting our house done up. So we're in a, like an old lady's conservatory. Not an old lady, but a, a pensioner's conservatory. Uh, and it's uh, it's been very good, really. I'm enjoying it. Enjoyed it a lot. Good for you. I, it's such a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and that is, to go full QVC, that is, ava- that is available everywhere you get podcasts. Yeah, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Brew with the Bennets, just search for that. And uh, the photo shoot was great as well because we got... Um, we went down in dressing gowns and uh, looked like just got out of bed and just it just one of those things where all the concept came together quick. You know, sometimes you go like things sometimes are more difficult, but then we just go, oh, brew with the Bennett's, get up in the morning, hair all over, teacup, boom. And it sort of, it became, we had Mickey P. Kerr do the intro, the music for us. And, and also he's a genius as well. I think anyone who plays a musical instrument, it bends my head because I'm, I can strum a bit on a guitar, but not compose. Because I saw, he said to me, like, he's so chilled out. He was like, what do you want, mate? And I was like, oh, just a, an intro that sounds like upbeat. And it's like, all right, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. Send me some pictures of the thing. I sent it to He was like, oh, yeah, I get it, yeah. Yeah, two days later, sent back this glam rock-esque thumping banger. And I was like, backing vocals, bass. I was like, how have you done that? Was like, oh. Extraordinary. And then he was like, do you want some bits in between for editing? I went, yeah, all right, give me 20 minutes. <laughs> Comes back and I'm like, he says, do you want to change it? I was like, no, it's absolutely perfect, mate. You're a genius. Just I'm like you. I'm in awe of, of people like that. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you even do that? Did you ever find, when I, when I, so I worked in offices for, for 20 years, and I always found that if, if, one, if one person in the office knew how to say, do email or, or connect to the internet that someone who didn't have that skill would go, Tom's a genius. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. Get him to make him head of computing. It's always <laughs> like that. It's, it's the same thing when my, when I sort of show my dad how to get photos off his, his uh, iPad or something, he just goes, where did you learn all this? Yeah. It's like, they look at you like you've had a, you've done a, like a GMVQ in, in, parents ipad management or something but yeah it's like it, it is always you become that then every time there's a thing then they get older you don't they he needs to get something mate yeah, the printer's not working give james a ring he'll do it he'll do it he's, he knows printers you like I, I fixed the paper jam once i'm not head of printing leave me yeah you know, it's my mum my, my got a tablet a couple of years ago and like so i'm i'm from a family of I'm from like a, a long line of teachers. Granddad was a teacher. Mm. Auntie was a teacher. My sister's a t- sister's a head, actually, if she's listening. She would break my knees if I didn't say she yeah. was a head. Quite a few more on the family tree, teachers. And then my mum asked me to talk her through the tablet. And the fact that I wanted to beat my own mother to death with a tablet after about 30 seconds, yeah. was it was it was like rubber stamp confirmation that the, the teaching gene didn't reach me. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where it's just patience. Gemma's a teacher. She's a qualified teacher. Actually, do you know what's really funny? Do you know what I've got to do tomorrow? This will make you laugh. 
I'm going into my daughter's primary school because they're doing a, what does my dad do as a job day? So I'm sat there like speed dates and children come round to your station and ask you about your job. And Sophia has volunteered me for this because she was like, they're all like accountants or like engineers and I've put stand-up comedian and everyone's gone mad. And I'm like, oh, God. Well, Scott, I'll be honest with you. The reason why my, my mouth dropped there is because I'm not telling anyone this. That is my secret dream. Really? But 100%. There was a school trip to Greenwich recently and they needed volunteers. Mate, I've never replied to an email quicker in my life. <laughs> and I did it purely as I hope, hoping it would be a springboard to that sweet, sweet, what does daddy do for work gig? It, it has not material. Well, it's, it's like I did. It's like I did the open spot for free with the school trip with a view to getting paid weekend work. Yeah. And no, not being no, asked. No progression. No progression on this. No week. progression. No. Well, this one is I got straight in. So I've got to take a microphone with me tomorrow, not plug it in. They want to know what you do in your job. And Sophia, so, oh, it's, I, it's so, so this was the brutal thing. She said to uh, Gemma said to her, oh, uh, do you want me to come in? She went, no, nah, no. Nah. She went, it's just not a very interesting job. There's loads of teachers. We're surrounded by teachers. Do you know what I mean? So then she just went, you can come in, Dad. So I've got to go in tomorrow. Oh, I'm so That's nervous. That's great. Yeah, it's one of them, isn't it? Where you'd be like, oh, kids are going to ask you, like, what's your favourite heckle? <laughs> just, they're a but, difficult audience. And all, But also, the comedian in you, and, I, and this happened to me on the school trip to Greenwich, you'll play it like a gig. Yeah. Ooh, oh, I, oh, I lost them there. I need to win them back. Yeah. Bit of crowd <laughs> work. Don't worry, a bit of crowd work. Then. Can you give me a light at six? Light at <laughs> Just say to the head teacher, give me a light at two minutes. We're moving this crowd on. No, none of these. These front row. Anyone want to sit at the front? Anyone celebrating anything? Yeah. <laughs> I'm cel- I, I, I wiped my own ass. Well done. Big round of applause for wiping his own ass. Come on. Come on, let's go. You can make it really good. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Give us a cheer if you're drinking. Yeah, fruit shoot. Come on, let's go. You're brilliant. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? That's great. It's just going to be one kid just staring at me like that as well. Like that. Just straight, like he'll be writing notes from the Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> one star Guardian. Do you know what I mean? Daytime gigs, mate, isn't it? Come on. Well, from one dream gig to another, uh, so you are you're now curating your your dream gig, Scott. So at the start, and I, I ask this as a man with I have a lot of pre gig rituals. Yeah, no, not everyone does. Do you have any pre gig rituals? I've got a, quite a few. So here's a few of them. Right, if I'm driving to a gig, on the way it's always music. On the way it's music, so it's like it's upbeat tunes get me in the mood. On the way back. I can listen to talk radio or audio books or like chat. If I do it the other way around, I go in there with all sorts of weird, you can't go in there with words in your head that aren't yours. So I go yeah. in there, I do that. I um, try and always have a, a strong coffee at some point. I, I do actually take a sage tablet. Now I don't even know if this is a thing that helps, but a lot of comedians, well, I know there's a few people who've been taking them. Well, then I realised, I think they're for women who are going through the menopause. So I don't know if I've been... Mate, anyone. if it works, I'll snort it. Well, if it works, it's... Yeah, that works. And then I try, I try and... It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I think with the really big gigs, like the massive ones, like 
it's you have to have a little word with yourself. I think I sort of go, look, this is you deserve to do this. This is literally what goes on in my head. You deserve to do this. This is why you're here. Just do what you normally do. And that's I have to actually physically say that to myself. Um, but I think uh, it's it's a weird one. The other one is I, I t- I've started bringing a different pair of shoes for on stage. So I keep them nice because I've been wearing the same shoes sometimes. And I look down, I look like, God, I look like I've been burying a body. I can't go on stage in these. I look, I've just put the bins out. This is a disrespectful to the audience. So, so I do keep that. And then, yeah, it's just, just maintaining a little bit of focus, really. Um, I don't understand. I've seen some people's gig rituals. I, remember, I once saw a comedian literally minutes before they were about to go on stage. They were eating a burger at the Glee. So they're eating a burger like this. And then they go, the music started. All right. Good evening. No, no. That bent my head, that. I remember looking, going, all I would be thinking of is burger, burger, burger. Do you know what I mean? As soon as you're on, all I'm thinking of is that that's coming back. You can't perform like that. How did, how did, they, how did they do in the gig? Perfect. Brilliant. Are you serious? Yeah. They just, just seem to just be, whoop, boom, down, on. I'm, the, I mean, I'm like you. I have to get in that proper headspace. And yeah. Mid-burger and walk on. <laughs> I mean, I've never been brought on. I think one of the biggest fears for a comedian is to hear that music. Because I don't know if you've, like, now I sometimes get like a, a muscle memory from certain music. So, like, I was in B&M the other day and Groove is in the Heart came on, which is the music for uh, Frog and Bucket. So it was like I was walking around, I could hear do, 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 little bit of an adrenaline rush. I had a little palpitation. I was like, good evening, B&M. Just like that. So, like, you, it, you, it frightens you. And I think the worst thing must be if you hear that when you're on the toilet, the start music, and no one's told you, and you're just hearing, do, 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 You're trying to just beat it, going, give me five minutes. There's nothing worse, I don't think. Gemma shouting up, stop performing material on the toilet. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing worse, I think, than not being ready to go on or being late. I've never had it. I've had it when I've been close. But your head's not in the right headspace, is it? If you're really late to a gig. Absolutely. And often when that happens, you are not present in the moment. And it's one of those where you're on the train back home or driving home and you, the penny drops. Oh, I had a gig tonight, but I, yeah. but I, I was not at the races. Because you can't go on there and go, the first word out of your mouth shouldn't be, oh, that M25, mate. Good God. And then it was black. Exactly. Because so- you think... You think you should the, – it's, it's, it's a bit of a rookie error, isn't it? Yeah. You think you should talk about it because it's interesting to you, but every single person in that venue couldn't give a fuck. They were like, what, what are you on about? Mate? What are you talking about? We've been here for an hour. Again, it's back to being in – back to office work. When you have that hellish trip into work and it's, it's at the forefront of your mind and you go up to someone in the office and start telling them about the number 59 bus – yeah. They couldn't. They could not give less of a fuck. Imagine if you went on stage and you were doing like two gigs. And you went, "I'm so sorry, I'm a little bit late, but that double is impossible." Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> and they're going like, "What's a double? What's what a double? Talking? What are you talking about? What are you talking about, mate?" Yeah, so, you're it, right. You've got you've got to go through that process where it's like you know, like in boxing when that bell goes, you're you're ready yeah, to go. Yeah, and I, I remember reading a book. Is it Logan Murray's book? You must have read it. The stand up, he, he's got a book out. It was ages ago. I read it when I first got into co- when I, I first, I read, 
Yeah. I read it the first time I started stand up. Yeah. And I always remember the page that he said about getting to the gig. He said, get to the gig early. Don't eat something spicy. Keep hydrated. I prefer lime and soda. I remember reading all this and he was like, go through your material, but don't learn it so much. It makes you feel rigid. Really good tips. And I was all like, true. All true. And I was like, get into the gig early. I always think if you're closing a gig, that's the other ritual. If I'm closing a gig and I'm not opening anywhere, get for the start. It's amazing how much you pick up. And also, how many times have you seen that headliner pick pick someone out in the front row? Oh, look at your orange shirt. You, you look like, yeah. and everyone in the room is already thinking, mate, yeah. The M- the MC covered that extensively, yeah. and you feel like they feel like they're going looking at him, going, look, "Look, mate, he said goldfish, and it was funnier than what you said." So yeah. we've had goldfish, we've had what's it, we've had all orange related stuff, we've had Donald Trump's face. Just get on with your material and shut up. It's that sort of level of anger you get back. You, you can feel that heavy sigh in the room. Yeah, yeah. Have you been spoken to already? Yes, because it's ten o'clock. <laughs> it's ten o'clock. And I'm dressed like a Watsy. I'm, I'm dressed like a Watsy. I'm on the front row. It's 10 o'clock. The gig started at half seven. I'm at the bottom of the mic stand. If I hadn't been spoken to, mate, there'd been a problem. So get on and do your shit jokes. Imagine if they'd replied with that. You've been at another gig. It's your, your, my fault you're not doing due diligence. And the, and, the, and the headliner goes, sorry, you're absolutely right. Anyway, I'm going to talk about that tricky double I've just had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the worst one I've seen as well is where a headliner comes on and, I, I, and and they do a bit that is same, not the same joke, but the same topic. And they all the audience go, and he'll go, oh, that didn't get much. And then someone will go, yeah, he's talked about it. Yeah. Oh. And there's nothing worse. So I think if you can get to a gig, if you're not doubling, you pick up so much. And you get a vibe for the room as well. And I, and I think sometimes when you're closing, you've got the added advantage of being able to tap in and tie up those loose ends that things have happened. 100%. You look like an absolute wizard, you know. You look like a ninja, tying it all together. Call back, call back, call back, tie it in a bow. Yeah. Yeah. All you have to say something is like, yeah, and that's why I don't go on a cruise anymore. Ain't that right, Bernard? And they go, yeah! And they go, oh my God, he remembered that Bernard enjoys cruises. How did he do that? Hit the music. Pass me a burger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm multitasking. I've got the adrenaline's up, you know. So they're, they're, they're my rituals, really. I, I suppose it's just due diligence. And uh, I sometimes I've had it where I've been too nervous. And, and I think that can stilt you. It can, it can, you can feel it sort of, it's like you're performing in elastic bands on your muscles or something. Oh, it's awful. And the little voice in your head is even going, I can tell you're nervous. Oh, I've I've had it as well where I've put the wrong jeans on, which is a very low level. I've put on a pair of jeans that are new. And as I've walked out, I thought, these aren't right. The denim's too thick. The cut is too like a geography teacher on a field trip. I can't cope with these. And then when a joke doesn't land, all I can think is it's the fucking jeans. You did this, jeans. You did this, H&M. How dare you do this? Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, there's many rituals, mate. Many rituals. I'm, I'm so... I'm going to use the word relieved because I am, I am the exact same. To the extent yeah. where, you know, let's say I'm doing the show with, uh, with, with Tim, our, our showrunner, our, our, our guru, to the point where sometimes I'll say to Tim, oh, hang on a minute, I've not done my yoga stretch. And he must be thinking, just get on stage, dickhead. Just, yeah, because cool. I'm not. I've not done my downward facing dog or my my, uh, my my cobra or whatever. You know, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. I've got to do my breathing. Put <laughs> put the tune on again. Do, 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 do. <laughs> put the tune on and hand me my burger. Yeah, just doing that. Yeah, this. So yeah, you, but you, everyone's different. Some people are so relaxed. I can't. I watch them and I think, wow, you're oh, doing mate, a gig in a minute. I met my. Mate, man, did the store and said that one of the acts was a, was asleep. That's madness. And they were like, that is... they were like, how, how how is that possible? You're on. Yeah, I couldn't do that. I just grabbed forty winks. Yeah, I just have a quick now. Power. Just have a quick power out while the intro's on. Yeah, you know, imagine Patrick Vieira before the 1998 World Cup final <laughs> in the corner. Like that. Patrick, Patrick. <laughs> Got a cup to win. Got a cup to win, mate. You know. (laughs) Uh, Right, glorious, great rituals. Who would you have as your MC? Oh, for a gig, for a dream gig. Oh, there's so many, isn't there? I think I don't know. I've worked with so many. Yourself's a brilliant MC, James. I have to say that. I mean, that's why. That's why we're here on this podcast, of course. But but, I mean, there's so many good MCs. I, I think. I think someone. I've, I've uh, well, I tell you, MC'd the other night. I did a gig with Johnny Vegas. Amazing! And it was it was amazing. Great choice. It was amazing, and what it did do as well. And I think I've had the same thing with Ross Noble, in that people would go, "Oh, they'll they'll take over the show or something," and they don't because I tell you what it does. It brings in an, an energy of playful silliness. Playful silliness is what you want in a gig, and they're never going in. There's no aggression. There's no singling out you've got an atmosphere of giddy it's like someone's pumped laughing gas into the gig when those two are comparing and and i remember so i i came on and the audience was so good because they were like whatever you said then if someone's been silly and they've got the energy in the room and they've been unconventional but they've made it work when you go on you can do anything observational but also you can be a bit surreal you can be a bit off the wall you can be in the moment you can ad-lib because they've broken down all those barriers for you the gig is so open and i think that's the sign of a of a good mc you know they've It'll ticked each that like those guys yeah. you mentioned say johnny and ross they've ticked each one of those things off the list so that the first yeah. act can go on and yeah. it's it's accepted or it's allowed or it's comfortable for them to do whatever those guys have already done yeah and i and i think that's the thing i think it's that sort of like they give you such a good blank canvas. Um, and it, and yeah, without dominating the room as well, because I think that's the other thing. I think it, it doesn't, it's still disarming their approach to comedy. It's never, it's never like dick swinging, is it? That's right. And, 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 I, and I think it brings that atmosphere. So yeah, I would say those two, uh, I mean, there's so many, you asked me this question. We work with amazing people, don't we really? We're very lucky. Very lucky. And there's so many good MCs. Like there's yourself. Stephen Grant's great. There's like, I, I'm just trying to think of like Danny McLaughlin's great, very inventive. Uh, Dan Nightingale's great. I mean, th- th- this Jason Cook is another brilliant MC. I've worked with him so many times. He builds worlds, doesn't he? Like out of people in the audience. And you sort of go on and, and that. And I always think you want an MC. I never understand acts who are like, oh God, the MC's doing well. Or like, yeah, you know, he's smashing it. You can hear, you want an MC to be loved by the audience. You want an MC to them not wanting them to go off in a weird way. You want them to not lower the bar. You've got to go. Because you want, and you want the conditions to be perfect. Yeah, yeah. You don't want an MC who's, 
you know, who's driving they, the gig into the ground. Yeah, no, no, they, absolutely not. I, I never understand that. So yeah, those th- there's plenty there. But yeah, I would have say you read that. Johnny's uh, or done the audio book? I should say of Johnny's autobiography. No, not yet. I've got fantastic. To do. Yeah, one of the best. Right. Yeah. You see, I, I I read I've read Steve Martin's. Oh, that's I mean, that's the gold standard. Yeah, that's so brilliant. And I've read a couple. I'm reading Bob Mortimer's at the moment, which is... Yeah. Is it good? I've not done it. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's Bob Mortimer, in it? Great. It's such a brilliant book. But yeah, I would say that's the criteria for a, a really good MC, is to give you things to play off, I think. Who would who would open this gig then, Scott? Oh, God. This is tough, isn't it? This is tough. Dreamliner, who would open? Um, I think someone like Seinfeld, you know? Nice. And because I think that I think Seinfeld, um, people always, you know, he's the greatest observational comic. But I also think there's a there's a level of focus needed for Seinfeld to really enjoy it. He's never dirty. He's never bawdy. It'd work really good with an audience that are just getting in, gets people listening, doesn't it? Listening to narrative, listening to jokes. And also he's got that hit rate. So I think that he would be a great opener, you know. He'd be a great opener as well, because as you say, you've got to, that, if that room isn't sitting bolt upright and listening intently to Jerry Seinfeld, then when on earth are they, are they going to be? So if yeah. anyone's going to pull focus, yeah, it, it's one of the greatest, you know, it's a, it's a Mount Rushmore comedian, isn't and it? And it'll, it'll also make up for the fact that if like Johnny had gone on and made a pop for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> then it balances that because someone's coming out and doing some bits, you know what I mean, at the start. And I think, but I think it, it, for me that the Seinfeld stuff is like that beautiful balance thing because you've got the little bit of the chaos and the looseness from the MC, but then you've got the f- precision, the forensic precision, brilliant of a of a of a like a, a laser focused stand up, and you go right, we're in now. It's showtime. Now it's the theatre, and then the audience are completely honed in on what they're doing. I think that would be. That's a lovely one-two there. You're right. You've had the you've had the chaos, yeah, uh, and then you've got the precision of of Jerry. That would be uh, that yeah. would be perfect. Have you? I'm sure you have. Have you seen the the documentary comedian? Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah, and and also it shows the dedication again in someone's passion of of getting what they want and the the drive to work that material. You know. And and I, and I think as well, it's what I love about watching Seinfeld is the is the economy of words, which is unlike anything else. Like I, I think that if you watch if you watch his stuff, there's never any fat on the joke. Never fat. And it, and like and there's some beautiful simplicity of it. I, I think some of the greatest routines he's ever done. You know, they're they're always lauded as like you know it's just it's just observational stand up. Yeah, but but like. It's the best, though, isn't it? That, that's my argument when someone goes, he talked about Halloween. Loads of comedians have talked about Halloween. Yeah, but have they done it as well? No, they haven't, have they? So, you know, that, I mean, say... To say that is like saying, the bit, I mean, the Beatles, they're just, they're just playing guitars and exactly. one of them banging a drum. Exactly. Like, people have talked about farmers being in a pharmacist and stuff. But then Seinfeld, you know, as soon as he said, why does that guy have to be two steps above everyone else? You know what I mean? I'm doing <laughs> I'm dealing with pills, but you stay down there. You know, that, 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 that already that just thing. Why is that guy two steps above everyone else? You, th- that is like, you see that you can see that in your head. You've been in that situation. 
and one sentence is the setup that you're already laughing at. It's it's absolutely, you know. And he said everything's maximum strength. You know what is maximum strength? You know strength. You know normal strength is not good anymore. It's all maximum strength. Find out what will kill me and, and back, back it, off. it off a bit. Yeah, back it off a bit. I mean, you like that is that turn of phrase. Yeah, find out what will kill me and then back it off a bit. Yeah, I mean it's just perfect, isn't it? It is absolutely. And then back it off a bit. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the writing that you go, you know, and and I and I think as well the fact that he knows how good he is and everyone knows how good he is, but he still works at it, is a good sign. I, I admire I admire work ethic in a comedian. I can't go to an airport without thinking of Jerry's routine yeah. about the airport experience of being on the plane. You know, yeah. so it's the stewardess closing yeah. the curtains from first class, and it's. Yeah. Uh, Maybe if you'd worked a little harder. Oh, yeah. and then the line about, about when the pilot goes, we'll be cruising at an altitude of 50. And Jerry goes, just do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not telling him. We're not updating him. I'm going to have the peanuts now. Just thought you'd know. <laughs> not going to eat them all at once because it's a very big bag. You know, like, it's, it's, it's so, but then you go, you go like Seinfeld and like McIntyre has always been renowned as the um, British Seinfeld. Uh, and you can see the correlation that he, he rings out topics till the nth degree. But I think that for me, Jerry edges it and, and I, he edges it because of the economy of words and the, the finesse of it. And it's like Seinfeld makes me, uh, McIntyre makes me laugh hard. And I think he, he, the energy's there. But Jerry's like the virtuoso painter. Do you know what I mean? Like McIntyre's doing like the, the Jackson Pollock, there's paint everywhere. Yeah. Jerry's just sculpting bronze with a chisel. And then he just steps back and goes, I've finished. And he's all clean and in a suit. Do you know what I mean? Perfect. That's the difference, the difference in it. The two different artists. Both so, masters in their own way. Yeah, yeah. But the Jerry's got that little finesse and engineering that I like. Uh, right. So we, we go for a break. We come back from the break. Yeah. Who have you got in the middle? Right, this is quite interesting, really. I, I think it's quite hard. I think in the middle, you've got a bit of a license to do something a little bit different. So I'd say like a, even like a musical, I, I like a Boothby Grapho is brilliant. Uh, I'd like, you know, like a, or like someone a little bit uh, silly, like a Harry Hill or a character like Al Murray. Maybe in the middle, like someone like a, a French and Saunders would be a good little different bit, like a, something like a little bit of a sketch or something a little bit unique in the middle. So Jer- Jerry, Jerry has bought you bought you the goodwill to yeah. take a big swing. Yeah. Uh, to to have something not conventional is what I mean. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I mean French and Saunders again. It's as good as comedy gets. And I, yeah. and I will still watch their stuff on YouTube. I don't know about yeah. you. Are you like? I bet you're like me. You get home from a gig or you know or a warm up or whatever it might be. And I think uh, I, I really need to switch off. Let's watch. Let's watch an hour of comedy clips. It is. I get into at the moment. There's a Curb Your Enthusiasm channel on uh, YouTube, and it's just someone who's edited every who's put every single episode of Curb into five minute clips, and they just randomise on a playlist. Amazing. And it's like it is like a spa day of comedy. Like. I just watch these moments and they just, I watch them and fall asleep to them. So like I'm the same, but I think for French and Saunders, for me, it's like that, that moment of naturalistic sort of some, a, a double act who knows each other so well 
that they are able to sort of like, I, I wish in a way, that's the one thing I wished about with comedy. I'd have started early enough to have seen them at the store when they used to do the store all the time. You've just taken the words out of my mouth. That must have been yeah. so exciting. You know, a couple of comedy anoraks like us, yeah. that must have been so exciting to have, you know, let alone be a comedian at that time, just be a comedy fan at that time. Yeah. As French and Saunders come out and, and are finding their finding their feet comedically. There's there's Rick Mayle and Eddie Edmondson. There's yeah. on and on and on. It must have it must have been joyous. I think that sort of is it eight mid eighties? Would you say late eighties, early nineties? I think it's I think it's early to mid eighties. Early to mid eighties. So you had all that comic strip going through that through yes. the store. And then you and I and I think that's where I would look and go, oh God, that's the sort of that that era would have felt so special to be involved in. Um, and so, yeah, I would definitely think that that sketch comedy like that is so is so beautifully done as well, and it's so unique, and no one's really done it as well since. I don't think. I think there's been a lot of good sketch, but as terms of a double act. And they've got that. They've got that shorthand. I mean, you know, we're both forty-three. It, it was when I was a kid. The most exciting thing in the universe was them and Banana Rama doing the comic oh, relief song. Yeah, and they were called La. La. I can remember it now. Well, I think I'll say that before I get it wrong. Lana Nina Ninu instead yeah, yeah, of Banana Rama, yeah. and they did the, and they did the spoof yeah. video, and it was it, and, oh. and it and the, when she did the. Um, it's just when they do what I used to love as well is when they do that deadpan thing of that that you thought they were just chatting, but it was building toward when they were in that big white room. That's right. They were just chatting, but then it was building towards something. And Dawn French has got such unique timing. But it's almost like I tell you what it's like. It's like Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. The same energy and the same like I always, I always used to think that everyone used to lord Peter Cook, go oh, Peter Cook, particularly like the Derek and Clive. They're like it's all Peter's imagination and Peter's driving it, and Peter's the genius. And I'll be like, I think you're being a bit hard on Dudley Moore there because I actually, if you listen to the timing of it, Dudley knows exactly what he's doing. He's feeding Peter and he's balancing it. And Dudley Moore, like th- those moments with those two, not only but also. Is the same way I feel about the French and Saunders. It wouldn't work without their the contrast and the way they know each other. That like they're zoned in on each other so razor sharp. And I, and I think yeah, for me that's that's what's really good. Like I, I don't think there's any. Been, I'm trying to think there's anyone who's has been as good. Not not that's stuck in my head as much. Not that I've watched as much anyway. I, f- I feel the same way about Ernie Wise as well. And maybe it's a Leeds yeah. thing. I feel like protective of him. But um, there's a great book. Graham McCann wrote a book about Morecambe and Wise that even uh, Eddie Brabin himself, because Eddie Brabin, their, their writer for the glory years, he then wrote a book. But even the great Eddie said that the McCann book was essentially perfect. And he, he almost, I think he comes up with like a formula to prove why they work so well as a yeah. as a double act. And uh, Yeah, and, and you, don't, you don't want that of someone constantly trying to tread on the other one's energy or trying to no it's not it should never be combative should it it no. should always be complimentary and that's why i tell you this same blueprint works why why the trip is so good with bryden and coogan because it's that understanding and friendship that comes through on screen and and that ability to give way at the junction of comedy in it that's the thing they're giving way 
to each other and going, oh, no, you're, you're definitely got that stronger bit there. And that's why Friend and Shun Saunders were dynamite, you know. A hundred percent. It's like, it's like, it's uh, it's a tennis rally. It's knocking, it's knowing that the, the best stuff is, is knocking the ball over to each other rather than one of them going, and I'm going to smash it and then you can't hit yeah. it back, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and I, I think like I listen to, I, I love Derek and Clive. I mean, some of it's aged quite badly, but I still listen to it. The, the filthy poetry of it and the way that you just know that it's, it, they're both just doing it to make each other laugh. And that's the other thing about French and Saunders. I think they genuinely are coming through a point of we're going to make each other laugh. And that's quite unique, I think. Uh, they're, they're incredible. I, w- I warmed up a pilot and it was it was Jennifer Saunders playing Harry Hill's mum. So she's in, you know, the wig and, and what have you. And uh, I, I was just, I was absolutely blown away because she she's so, she's so gifted. She's so talented. She's so brilliant. And obviously that's come from years and years and years of, of, of graft, uh, coupled, you know, coupled with this innate talent. But she was getting laughs where, where I don't know if there'd have been laughs on the page because, you know, she knows that, she can do a glance or she does a thing with her hands or she, you know, yeah. knows how to use her body. And I was, I spent a lot of the night just watching Jennifer Saunders and it was a masterclass in obviously her delivery goes without saying, but it's the subtle things, it's the physicality. And, uh, you know, actually to bring it back to you, Scott, you're someone who uses, you know, you use like French and Saunders, you know that it's not just the words coming out of your mouth. But it's it's the facial expressions, it's the mannerisms, it's the physicality, yeah. um, because there's there's as those two proved and continue to prove, there's so many more laughs to be had than than just what's coming out of your mouth. Yeah, and and I, uh, I went to see Partridge the other night, the stratagem thing, and I think that's the only other person I feel in in comedy who is such a it's so beautifully done those little moments and those have got more over the years the crack of the knees the little the little tickle of the nose or the little look to camera the little mannerisms the little and and I, and I think that that is someone who's so confident but it's it's, it's like when acting stand up uh, knowing how funny you are understanding comedy and it all sort of converges at that sweet spot and I, and I that's rare that's really rare talent. And I think that's why, you know, I, I, I hope they do something together again because it was so well done at the time. Used to watch it all the time, French and, and also, there was that like genuine, there was, there was such excitement as to which film they were going to spoof next. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, whatever happens to Baby Jane is arguably the most famous one because they, I mean, that is top, top tier. But like they do The Phantom Menace, you know, they... Yeah. they Amazing, yeah, and and it and it it felt like it still had even on the last few series when they were doing those two guys in the fat suits who had been like you know that it, it had like it still had longevity. Some of the some of the sketches still had longevity in it, um, and and I always thought it was great. I, I liked the work they did independently when they went off and did their own thing, but I think together is where they really excel personally. You know. uh, so I, I think you're probably you're probably talking. Do you know what the excitement? If those two walked on stage at your gig, they'd probably walk on to a standing ovation, let alone yeah. walk off to one. So you go for another break, which is probably for the best because the yeah. it, it would the headliner would would have their yeah. work out. Who would close? Mickey Flanagan. These are a nightmare question for me because I do love st- so many stand-up comedians, but I think there's no one who it, it, because also he's got that thing of he, he's not 
all the time. He's not everywhere all the time. So it's almost like he's kept that little bit of mystique back. There's a he purity. And, and I think that's, he's got that sort of like, he's never diluted. And when you see it, like, I would argue that that first tour, that first out-out DVD is unrelenting. I mean, it, like the only other time I saw that was Peter Kay's Top of the Tower. That's the only, those two DVDs. Mate, Top I, of the Tower is, yeah, doesn't, yeah. It's, it's a perfect special, isn't it? Yeah. So I think you'd have to be like that, that level of, if I was picking anyone from the British, it would be the Kay or the Flanagan. Because I think it's like that. I remember watching Top of the Tower on video before I'd even started stand up going, I don't know how he can be this funny. I cannot, I just can't, everything was funny about it. The, the, when he was, when uh, Dave Spikey came out and said they want you to go back on, he was drinking Muller Katoni soup and he just wanged it off the side of the Blackpool Tower. And the thing that really got me as a kid, because I was, I was not in, I was loving stand up, but I never thought about doing it. But I remember him coming back on, having done an hour and 10, hour and 20 of just yeah. killing it. And he's gone, they want you to do an encore. And he's come back with an even better bit. And I'm like, oh my God. So he was holding back. An even better bit. And I'm like, that is like, that's unreal. Just the, the amount Ace up of... Sleeve. Yeah, and the amount of just the way... What I loved about that one as well is when it cut to the audience and no one could make people cry like that. They were, they were crying. They were doubled up. They were in agony. And, and the same when you see Mickey Flanagan, that, that first one, the confidence and the, the... You've got the perfect blend of persona and material and attitude just smashed together. And and that for that reason alone, they they make me want to be comedian. Make me want to be a better comedian. When I were watch that, it makes me want to be. It makes me realise why I wanted to do stand up. And I admire that Mickey. Mickey's done it on his terms as well. So, like you say, um, yeah. when he's taking time off, he takes time off, and when it's time to gig, he'll gig. Yeah. Um, and there's something admirable about that. And also, I relate to him because he fought for it as well took him ages. It wasn't overnight, you know, and I, and I, what I love about that is the sort of the, the thing of he became undeniable, which is something inspiring when you are maybe a bit later to stand up like I was and a dad and under pressure and you're not feeling, you know, there's a bit of an industry obsession with youth, I think sometimes. And I like the way that everyone looked at him and went, are we not going to make him famous or what? Cause this is, this is stupid. Because he was just killing every weekend, wasn't he? And he was getting to the point, I would imagine, when he put him on at the store and everyone was like, well, we, we, there's no way, we can't follow that. It's getting ridiculous. We can't put him anywhere on the bill because he's too good. And I think when you get that level of undeniable power in what you're doing, I think that's inspiring. Yeah? That, you know. have, you got to, have you got to work with Mickey? No, no. And, and same with Peter. So that's not happened yet. And, and, and I'm hoping it does one day. Um, you know, I think I've come close when he was doing some warm-up gigs, uh, but it, it never came. I think COVID was responsible for that. But but yeah, that would be amazing, really. I was warming up on Alien Fun Capsule, Capsule a few uh, years ago, and Mickey Flanagan appeared as a, as a panellist. It was sort of like a... It was a panel show, but it wasn't a, a panel show. Harry Hill was host. I remember chatting to Christian, uh, Mickey's agent because like we say mickey mickey keeps himself to himself and so it was a very pleasant surprise to see mickey appear on this and christian christian said like the offer came in 
And Mickey just went, oh, I love Harry. So it's a yes. And I, and I love that. The fact that he did it just because yeah. it was a yeah. chance to work with someone who he, he clearly loves a lot. Yeah. And I remember listening to his radio show he had. He did like a Radio 4 thing, did Mickey, years and years ago. And one thing really stuck in my head that he said that he's kept his decorating stuff in the loft, like his, his brushes and paints. and Just in overalls. case. Yeah. And you go, wow, that's, that's inspiring as well because it, 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 it gives me heart that those people like it's this graft in it. It's the old, it's grafters. Mate, I've got, I've got, you've given me shivers there. I've not heard that. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it was, it was Sean Locke asking him about it. And it was like, why are you, he was like, because he just, he says the one thing that his background working class and struggling to get where he got to and never knew it would happen is you never have that air of it'll be all right. Or you'll never have that air of safety net. And that that is upbringing that does that, and that is through maybe not having parents who were in the arts, or not having parents who understood the industry, whatever this is. I don't understand uh, telly and PR and people who work in telly. All I know is that I w- love doing stand up and I want to be funny, so and you- and and that's inspiring because you go, well, that guy is the same because he's in his head, he's going, it's all going to end tomorrow, so I'll keep hold of the brushes. And you go, yeah, I get that. I get that mentality. So, and there's probably some, there's probably something almost totemic about keeping them because he's also, yeah. he might also be saying, like, this is also a reminder as to where I've come from. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's, it, it restores my faith in hard work getting you where you need to go. And, and I think that's an important message. If you had someone like that on the bill, you'd be like, and they got there through talent and graft. And you go, yeah, that's that's good to know that that still is an option for people. It, we, we had him down at Always Be Comedy a, a, a few years ago, and, I, and that, as you can imagine, that's uh, yeah, one that, that's always one for the scrapbook, you know. Because Special, absolutely. I mean, look, every actor who plays Always Be Comedy is we, we're you know, it's always lovely to see anyone. Everyone, everyone is everyone is very special, and, and you know, every, I think every act knows that, but. Uh, you know, just from the just from that comedy anorak perspective, um, it was it was lovely to it was lovely to have him down. And I don't I don't really know him that well, but whenever I've warm, warming up a show that he's been on, or or that time he came, whenever I've chatted with him, uh, just what a what a lovely guy and someone who clearly still you know still lives in that real world. You know, yeah, yeah, and I, and I think as I always looked when I first started stand up, I don't know if it was the same for you. I had. Uh, a, a daughter on the way and uh, giving up a job that was secure and I always looked to the to the people on the circuit the, the dads I suppose who whose lives weren't dysfunctional whose lives who they've managed to maintain some sort of balance and I looked to like the Rob Rouses uh, and people I'm just trying to think of like yeah you're Rob Rouse and I mean he was the one that I looked at initially and thought God you can it can be done. It can become, it can, you can have what you want without it becoming all consuming and, and ruining the rest of your life uh, or the other aspects of your life. So, so I think that when you've got someone like Mickey and people like that, and that, that keeps a reality on, it, it makes it feel more accessible to me that, that, that comedy is a, as a career, it makes it feel like I'm, I'm, uh, it's valid people like me being there 
that makes sense. It does. I, I've been, so Mickey Flanagan and the actor Eddie Marsden were mates way back in the day, right? So right. I think like back back to the eighties, I think. And I've heard the I've interviewed Eddie Marsden a couple of times. He's told us this, and then Christian, Mickey's agent, has also told us this. And Eddie and Mickey used to have this phrase, and I, and I, and I, it proved very influential for both of them. I think they had this phrase, and they always focused on um, extraordinary career ordinary life and I imagine that must have helped both of those guys out because you know Eddie's been in some of the greatest TV ever made he's been in some incredible movies obviously yeah. Mickey Flanagan is an is an icon of comedy but yet what you would say about both of them is that it certainly seems to me that they have these ordinary lives in the in the best way possible yeah and I, and I think that's the way it's got to be because much as we love this industry or much as we love stand-up and I love it so much the stuff that goes on around it isn't real. And it's the stuff that goes on around fame or um, success that you, you, it's easy for you to feel that that is, that is the reason why you're doing it. And I, and I don't think it is. For me, it's not anyway. The reason I'm doing it is because I enjoy doing comedy. And as long as you keep that at the centre, I think you can't go wrong with that. So, so incident you'd love to happen, i.e. your favourite ever incident from a gig that you would love to replicate at this at this uh, fantasy night of yours? What, what's been your favourite ever incident from a gig? It's, oh God, it's very difficult, isn't it? I I think there's been a, a couple of weird coincidences. So I don't know how you'd ever recreate this, but um, before I started stand-up in 2009, um, we were going to see Rob Brydon at, um, in Nottingham and Gemma had gone along in the day. She'd bought his autobiography. Uh, for me, because she knew as I was thinking about starting stand-up. And she got along and she got it signed. And he said, oh, good luck with the stand-up. And then when I did the tour support, I took the book along and he signed it saying, this was seven years ago and now you're supporting me on tour. Oh, isn't, Scott. Yeah, isn't this the circle of life? Like, And it was like a, an incredible moment. So, yeah, it was like I, I took it along and it was like, can you believe that that's seven years ago? And it just shows you that. And I was like, yeah, and now you've written it. It does mean it's contractual. So, because he said, oh, you, you know, he said, oh, I'll be supporting you. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, well, we might have to make that happen now. But, um, but it was, it, it was. I'll emailed over some dates. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's something, something that is out of comedy. So maybe there's a moment where they remember you from your first gig or, or you, you remember them from years ago. And then That's you could say, you know, you could sort of say, oh, like I could say to, I could tell, French and Saunders, or I could tell um, Seinfeld and said, look, you, you probably don't understand, but I remember, you know, it, it's, it has, you get this all the time, but, you know, it, it has made, it's, it's part of the reason why I do stand up now. And then, and then they, you know, that it's, it's that, it's that moment that takes you out of the moment of stand up and becomes part of your, the fabric of your life. I think that that's when it transcends that is something quite special, you know. Mate, when Disney get, when Disney put this formal bid in for your life story, this is <laughs> this is the Oscar clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. That's no, really beautiful. That's really beautiful, man. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I, I always know that I've got too emotional when I call someone man. That's when that's when it's time to. That's when I'm two steps away from tears. Yeah. I know, man. I know, man. You were there, man. You were there, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, incident you'd love to erase, i.e., your least favorite incident from a gig, i.e., something that must not under any circumstances happen at this gig oh god something happened quite recently actually 
uh, and this is a, a toilet humour warning. Um, <laughs> so this is this has never ha- this has never happened really before. So I was at Macfest this year, which was great. I've never been there, McClendon Comedy Festival, um, and I'd I'd not been I'd not been well uh, oh, God. Di- digestively, uh, and I'd gone to um, I'd got there quite early, following the rules of. Logan Murray got yes, there quite indeed. early to the. I thought I will have a look around town, and then I had something to eat, um, which was an omelette, which was lovely. But I asked for a coffee, uh, and I think it was very, very strong. This coffee, and I said, "Oh, can I have milk with it?" And she she gave me this big coffee, but she hadn't put milk in. She said, "Oh, do you want me to pour it out?" Now, being the Yorkshireman, I says, "It's okay. I will drink that down because that's the Yorkshireman in me. I will drink that down for you." So I drank this what. Turned out to be absolute rocket fuel, co- you know, coffee. Um, and then, and then, obviously, within sort of twenty minutes of the gig, uh, everything starts to happen, doesn't it? And then the adrenaline kicked in, and I thought, oh god! And I went, I went to to the loo and um, did a cough. I was in the mirror, did a cough. What I thought would be a very you know, bodily function that we're all used to. And, uh, you know, things happen downstairs that completely unplanned. Oh, Scott. Um, I know. And, it, and, I, and, I, and I had that moment was like, it's literally 12 minutes before showtime. I am in Wales. I have no spare underwear. Scott. We're in the middle of MacFest. There's no options. And so I literally had to take them off put them in my coat pocket, commando on the jeans, sort myself out, and then go and find a bin. This is before the show. And, and I had to walk amongst people who were going to see me with a carrier bag to find a bin <laughs> with my underwear. Like I've been sent home from school, like a five-year-old who's been sent home from school for a wet trump. Do you know what I mean? Sat in the reception waiting for mum. I actually said mum as it came out. Mum! It was like that moment where you were just so embarrassed. And um, so I went on commando. But the worst thing was the gig was great, but I had a zip fly. And all I could think of halfway through was I, I can't lunge as much because if that fly works its way loose, then this is this is in the papers. This, <laughs> this whole gig is in the papers. Gemma, and, I'm trending. Oh, for God's yeah, yeah. sake. Trending for the wrong reasons. And uh, got through the gig. And uh, yeah, so that is something. I, I never ever want again. It just it, when your body lets you down at the last minute, it is an awful moment, isn't it? Just oh, awful. And also that brings us back nicely to pre-gig rituals, and that is not a pre-gig ritual either, is it? That is not no. getting you in the right headspace. No, looking for a bin, looking for a bin with your underwear in, and and walking amongst people that were going to come and see you, and then going yeah. on. Going on thinking, I'm feeling seams on my undercarriage that I've never <laughs> felt before. Stitching. And, and and that was the point where I was like, I knew I should have got those stretch jeans from Zara. These skinny jeans. There were skinny jeans as well. Crisis jeans. A man of 43 wearing crisis jeans going commando is not a good move. And I just did think to myself, I thought, you cannot. I cannot cancel this gig either. Because you can't go up on stage and say, I can't do the gig. Because I followed through and I have no underwear. Because they would just be like, that is like I've had a tough double. <laughs> that is more unbelievable than a tough double, isn't it? 
So I was like, so then I just saw, and I had a cracking gig. It was the best show as well. Yeah. And I, I think it's because the adrenaline and the fear, they were like, he's got something else going on, this guy. He's frightened. You can tell he's frightened because, you know, but then all I could think of was as well, it's just that those are the wrong jeans. And, but thank God I did have those jeans on because, you know, if I'd have, if I'd have gone for something else, maybe like a short or something. If you shart in a, in a short, forget it. <laughs> that things are going to happen, aren't they? I had a lot, you know, shorts, tracks, even tracksuit bottoms, you feel vulnerable. Danger so zone. I was like, danger zone on those can come down, bit of too, you know, too much loose change in the pockets there, working the way down. It sounds like the gig went so well that your new pre-gig ritual <laughs> might have to be... <laughs> So can you get me an incredibly strong coffee and a carrier bag? Uh, and a quiche, please. A quiche <laughs> or a, a quiche or an omelette. Plenty of cheese. Uh, something that gets it. It was like, you know, when there was that wardrobe malfunction at uh, the Super Bowl. That was yes. my, I, it was like that moment where I was like, in one way I was thinking, this could get me onto the front page of Chortle. Do you know what I mean? Janet Jackson of comedy. Yeah. Scott Bennett horrifies MacFest. Uh, now, just to wrap up, do you? How do you unwind? Is that maybe there's a post gig TV yeah. show that you go to, or a movie, or, or is there something else? Yeah, there's quite a few. I, uh, I, I've got Blackadder on audiobook. I think things like that. Blackadder, uh, and I think the reason why I quite like the Blackadder, uh, it's always goes fourth as well. Third, I like as well. Never a fan of the first one. Yeah, I don't know. Something's not clicking for me uh, there. No Ben Elton on the first one. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it is two to four of the way. Uh, but I've, I do watch that. I, uh, I put that on because also I know it so well that I'm not listening. So it's like a lullaby. It's Beautiful. The rhythm, the rhythm of the comedy. Uh, but the other one I've started getting into, and this is all on YouTube. You can't get it on DVD. Harry and Paul, Paul Whitehouse. Fantastic. It's brilliantly done, and it didn't get what it deserved. Like Paul Whitehouse. Because there's a couple of other things I listen to. I listen to Down the Line. Did you ever listen to Down the Line? No, you know, no. I used to do a show with the uh, Cassette Boy. Yeah, you know, Cassette Boy, and he sent me the entire. Do you know oh. what I'm saying? That I, I did do quite a few because he sent me the whole thing. He, tra- he transferred it all over. Me, me trying to sound young. Sent it on the internet. Um, so I did do quite a few. It's it's excellent, isn't it? It's, it's is a, it, what's the last name? Reese Thomas. Reese Thomas. It's a masterpiece, and this yeah. is why. I think like Paul Whitehouse, Bob Mortimer, uh, all those guys, but Paul Whitehouse in particular and Harry Enfield, that's comedy royalty. Like they, I I think that Harry and Paul's the best thing they've ever done together. But I also think from Whitehouse, he did down the line with Charlie Higson. uh, And uh, again, this is that whole school of, of, you know, that, that, that era of brilliant comedy. Um, Because they, they like Charlie Higson, Reeves and Mortimer, you think about all the stuff he's been involved in, but this, the idea of having Reese Thomas as the as a host of a late night phoning show, and then they're all just doing characters. Yeah. And, a, and there's a making of on YouTube. They never told him their order. They were going to patch them through to him. Didn't know that. So he did it like as he was a radio host in a different room. And that makes it and, more realistic, doesn't it? Yeah. So he never knew. So like they'd have and Felix Dexter, God bless his soul. Yeah. Not one go with us. My God, the characters are just so good. It is like Simon Day, brilliant. Paul Whitehouse, there's um, oh, Arabella Weir, there's uh, Lucy. Oh, God, I can't remember her name now. They're, all, they're all absolute hammers, oh, these guys. Oh, and, yeah. and the characters. Do you know what's wonderful about it as well? 
is sometimes it's so simple. I listen to that all the time on YouTube, but sometimes it's so simple. Like they had one where he just go, and we've got Dave in Trowbridge. What do you want to say, Dave? Uh, I just want to say uh, I agree with everything the last caller said. Is that all you want to say? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> just like that. Yeah. That is, is when you actually listen to that, that's them just writing that down. And, and, I, and, I, and that's as a comic, I go, that's brilliant. That is like, that's the best because someone's listened to these late night radio stations. Apparently, Paul Whitehouse got the idea when they were on tour doing the fast show or something, I think. What, and he was listening to those shows? Late night radio and people phoning in and it was like, this is, there's so much in this. And and you get people like, you get one of them, the characters was Paul, was Harry Enfield. He was trying to talk and just telling the dog to shut up. So every 10 minutes, he'd be like, shut it, shut it. And then they went, shut it. And you go like that. There's moments like that where you go, everyone's seen that. Yeah, but it took that thing to package it. So that I listen to that an awful lot on YouTube. And I, I listen to it when I go running. That's how obsessed I am with it. And that line about I, I'm just ringing in to uh, to say I agree with the previous caller. So I, I used to be a sports reporter. And I I used yeah. to follow Palace for three seasons, oh two to oh five, and uh, myself and the Palace press officer Terry Byfield, God bless him. So we would have six oh six on the way back from every away game. Mate, the amount of people that were phoning with that sort of... I mean, God bless them. They've got through and they know that they're going <laughs> to... Their thing is to say, Sally from Wakefield, I just want to say, I agree with everything that she said. And Alan Green would patiently go, or sometimes impatiently, thanks for your call. And then you move on to the... You just go, they've waited 40 <laughs> minutes on hold. Uh, Alan's going to patch you through now. Are you ready for Alan? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So an honour to speak to you, Alan. Uh, what would you like to talk about? I just want to say I agree with Sheila in Wakefield. What a waste. It's almost like you go, are you are you on crack or something? Is this, you could say anything. And it just, oh dear. And they'd always do that thing as well. Like I listen to, sometimes listen to talk radio now for the wrong reasons, because it's so funny. You get like, I was actually going to rig it to talk about bananas. Uh, but I've changed my mind now and I actually want to talk about the immigration crisis. And you go, no, no, mate, you you, were, you had bananas and you were talking about fruit and fruit stocks. And now you're going into, oh, yeah. Just... Uh, Jack, Jack D used to have a, an old bit about uh, when there's like a result of a poll and it will be, you know, this percent said yes, this percent said no, this percent said don't know. And Jack D's like, what sort of person? Yeah. Is that ringing up to answer a poll? Oh, hello, just to say, yeah, I um, don't know. Okay, but, thanks but very I, much. I don't know, but I feel like I need to be heard. Uh, Scott, you, you, you've curated, characteristically, the most perfect evening imaginable. Huge and heartfelt thanks on behalf of Tim and myself. Before we go, uh, please, if anyone doesn't follow you on the socials, what what's the handle in, and if there's anything else? We've got the podcast, we've got the tour. Yeah. Anything else, Scott? Uh, yeah, just Scott B Comedy UK uh, on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and ScottBennettComedy.co.uk. And you know, just check check it out. Hound me, follow things. Um, check out the YouTube channel. There's a there's a pilot me and Gemma made, Caravan of Love, about us living in a caravan. That's on YouTube, which is very funny. Uh, and we're, we're we're planning on doing loads together uh, over the next few years. So. Yeah, let's uh, you know as well as raising children, uh, but you know that's uh, check it out. Yeah, and uh, see you at some of the gigs, perhaps. I've got it here, Scott B Comedy U at Scott B Comedy UK. Yeah, uh, I wonder 
if the two of you, would you not write um, a feel-good movie or series based on either make it about you, Scott Bennett, or you do a you do a story loosely based on you about a comedian? Because your your story your at the risk of sounding like I, I do work for Disney, your story arc does lend itself to yeah. something like that, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, I think definitely, and I, I think it's one of those where. Yeah, it's it's been a weird one. It's been a weird one, but it's it's still on the journey, aren't we? Everyone's on a journey, aren't they, James? And absolutely, you know, so it, we're still on that at the moment. So I don't know what the next. Are we? Are we been doing it sort of five years, four years as a professional comedian? And so let's just see what the next four years has in store. Uh, huge and heartfelt thanks to the great Scott Bennett. As we say. Be sure to check The Great Man Out on tour. Tim, you know I'm going to ask? What is your favourite Scott Bennett memory? It's very syrupy. However, it has to be. So, I don't know if we can reveal this. Maybe we can. We house the Live the Apollo run-throughs a week before they record. So, they pick the lineups and then they come to Always Be Comedy and run through their sets in front of an audience, and crucially, Mr. Live the Apollo. So we find out a bit in advance. We had uh, got to know Scott over the lockdowns, and we get that email through. Here's the lineup for uh, these Live the Apollo run-throughs. Scott Bennett's name on list, and it's just beautiful moment. It's just so wonderful to see someone's hard work pay off and means they get to... From gigging in their shed to performing on the biggest stand-up showcase in the country, I just uh, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, your choice is better than mine. <laughs> What's yours? Not, not, not for the first time. Tim started talking and I thought, oh, he's bloody nailed it. Uh, yeah, Tim, Tim is absolutely correct. That, what, that was a, a lovely moment. And also, Tim, we've, we've got to name better and better and then the last time he played, he got there early, and we had a we had an absolute classic pre-gig chat. What what of the great ones? I'm going to say one of the great pre-gig chats. My favourite memory was the first time he did always be comedy online. Chris Ramsey, uh, for whom I've warmed up a good deal down the years, dropped me an email and and recommended Scott Bennett, uh, and then we booked him, and within about all of 10 seconds, the little voice in my head went, ah, yeah, that's why. <laughs> See why Chris Ramsey's recommended him? Because he's brilliant. Uh, and he just, he was just one of those guys that he just, if you were going to do a, a, a lockdown online gig Hall of Fame, he's absolutely in there with with bells on. He just, Al Murray says, again, would also be in the, the Hall of Fame, Al Murray says of online gigs, because, you know, we sometimes get asked, I know I get asked, uh, to compare online gigs with in real life gigs, whatever you want to call them, physical gigs. And Al Murray's line is, they're apples and oranges. And that is true. And Scott just, I guess, by doing those early gigs in the shed, bit like, I'm going to compare it to the Beatles doing Hamburg before they did the Ed Sullivan uh, show. Hang on a minute. Then I'm arrogantly saying that always be comedy is the, I mean, again, I'm, I'm in it now. <laughs> uh, but Scott, Scott worked out how to do the online gigs and was then just off, off, off and away. And uh, the rest, 
quite rightly, is history. And also, in my mind's eye, the Scott Bennett story, that, that there, there is a movie, there, there 100% is a movie in that. If they could, mate, they made that, they made that Paul Potts movie with uh, James Corden, remember that? I do, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. But that was that was the storyline of that, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, who are you casting for Bennett? Whoa, what a great question. Who are you casting? You know, Scott Bennett reminds me of, and if you want, uh, uh, <laughs> I've said that, I think I've said this to his face. When I was a kid, there's this, uh, right, Billy Pierce is one of the greatest what you would call what Peter, I think I've heard Peter K, uh, front of cloth comedian, right? And I, and I get Lovely. sort of means, a, I guess, a bit, uh, a, a bit old school, a bit variety, a bit musical, working men's clubs. But Billy, Billy Pierce, when I, was, when I was a kid, was just this electrifyingly hilarious comedian. Did I'm from Horsforth in Leeds. He did the working men's club in Horsforth. And the way the people of Horsforth were talking about it in the build up, it was, it was like, it was like the Beatles were, were coming to town and Scott Bennett in the best way possible reminds me of Billy Pierce. So I'd like to cast Billy Pierce, but I'm also mindful that Billy Pierce is, I reckon, conservatively 20 years older <laughs> than Scott Bennett. Uh, who, who would you cast? Oh, I mean, well, oh, tricky, well, isn't it? I was going to say Paddy Considine, but then, Oh, but you know what? Just, Imagine Scott Bennett meets Dead Man's Shoes. <laughs> I would, right there, mate. I would love to see Paddy Costine like pr- portray a stand-up in general. God, that'd be great. Paddy Considine as Scott Bennett. I, I tell you what, I would be at the front of the queue at the local Odeon. Yeah. Uh, other options: Simon Pegg, maybe. Oh yes. Tim, um, as always, Simon Pegg is brilliant. Um, because Disney have bought it. Uh, it's actually an American film. Uh, Will Arnett. Will Arnett's a great choice. Yeah. Yeah, because they're both... They, um, Will Arnett has got a, quite a rangy build like Scott's got as well. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. <laughs> Hang on a minute. I've got, I've, got, I've got to say the obvious. Scott Bennett will be listening to this, and I know exactly what you're saying. Why can't I play myself? Right, I will... <laughs> I will cast Scott Bennett to play Scott Bennett. Yeah, you know what? That's only right. I think you know what? I think you've called it. I think Simon Pegg is the shout. I quite I'm quite happy with Simon Pegg. Yeah, Simon Pegg. Uh, but then I think we'll we'll have to sit down with Scott Bennett and Gemma and see who they would prefer to play Scott Bennett, because they might prefer Scott Bennett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Uh absolutely superb. Sorry. <laughs> It's really not for me to say, but that really that did make me laugh. Uh, thank you very much, as always. Tim, any other business? Um, if you want to see Scott Bennett uh, at Always Be Comedy, you can get tickets at alwaysbecomedy.com slash tickets. I think that's mostly it. If you want to follow us on our socials, we are Always Be Comedy across the board on everything. Twitter, threads, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, and if you've never been to uh, Always Be Comedy at the Tommy Field, and it's been lovely to meet some people who've come via the podcast, it uh, honestly blows our mind. Very grateful. And that sounds trite. But anyway, we really mean it. Someone came up to us the other night and said that they listened to the pod. Um, you probably see on our face, oh, th- thanks very much, you know. Yeah. Uh, but in the coming in the coming weeks and months, 
uh, you will find the likes of, uh, oh, mate, Thursday the... You know what? I'm, I'll just read this one out. Thursday the 7th of September, Sindhu V. Right. Absolute royalty. Uh, Jake Lambert, uh, another brilliant comedian who oh, yeah. has... Uh, springboarded to the ne- almost like to the next level maybe even next couple of levels via his brilliant uh on no, he's a brilliant comedian on stage and then also via his online videos has uh, found a whole new audience and then also completing that holy trinity the first ever person to play always be comedy uh pat cahill uh, a, a legend of the circuit pat cahill returns to always be comedy so we'll, we'll pick we'll, we'll single that one out thursday the 7th of September. And I think that might be the first, uh, what you would call classic Thursday mixed bill back from the school slash summer holidays uh, slash Edinburgh Festival. So uh, if we don't see you at that one, hopefully we'll see you at another one. Huge and heartfelt thanks uh, on behalf of Tim and myself. And we will see you this Friday for the bonus episode. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye-bye-bye. <laughs>